The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. What's going on there, Scott? Oh, nothing, nothing good, right? I'm trying to fight off all of these Tarek Scooble trade rumors. Ooh, you know what I mean? It's yes. just taken over my Twitter because everyone knows how unhappy I'd be. As soon as I, I saw it, I, I reached out to you. Yeah, I mean, if it actually happens, I'm going to need a lot of moral support. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't know. The, so basically, uh, the Tigers are saying, hey, anything that's not bolted down, you could have. Uh, and I guess what they feel that what they could get the most from trading a Tariq Skubal. So here's the thing about it. And th- maybe this is just me coming to terms and, and like trying to justify why this won't happen. But if you think about the Tigers roster right now, what pieces do they have that are valuable to anyone? Right. Tarek uh, Skubal, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, right. or a bunch of relievers. Right. right? And we already yeah, know that, that would be the first place that, that I'd start is right. definitely so, uh, Fulmer, who's going to be a, a free agent at the end of the yeah. year. Fulmer, Soto, Chafin's mm-hmm. been good. Like they, they have these relievers, but all you get for relievers is some like 19 year old single A prospect, right? Or some like 26 year old quadruple A, never really going to make it prospect. That's all you really get for, for a reliever right? Especially one that's not like Clay Holmes, you know, like there's just a limited amount of stuff you'll get back for a Gregory Soto. Mm -hmm. So the Tigers have a roster with a lot more holes than they hoped, right? They thought Austin Meadows was going to be a lot more than this. They probably thought Javi Baez was going to give them a lot more than this. They probably hoped that um, some of the guys from the minors were going to stick around and do a little more. But now this front office is staring at this roster that feels like it has 10 holes on it. And the cupboards, while they have while they have assets to trade, they're all supposed to be for the future. They don't have a lot of older or, you know, middle age players for baseball careers who are ready to trade that other teams want. So mm-hmm. if they're going to get other teams to pick up the phone and even discuss trades that could like have a huge impact, like a big trade deadline deal, if they're even going to have the discussion they have to tell other teams that guys like Tarek Skubal are on the block mm-hmm. because you're not trading for an injured Casey Mize. You're not trading for a just coming back from injury, Matt Manning. Uh, and they're both pitchers. So that aren't pitching right now. Um, Skubal's the best you got. So right. if someone's going to make an offer, 
it's going to have Scooble as like Scooble, Torque, or Green as the centerpiece. And they probably are deciding they don't want to move Green or Torkelson. So again, if someone's going to call, it'll be with Tarek Scooble. I don't think it'll happen because one, I don't think the Tigers are that good at trading to make that kind of move possible. Mm-hmm. And number two, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for them because other teams are unlikely to offer the kind of package that would be worth shipping off what is probably your best young pitcher. Right. Um, and uh, Badu uh, batting 137, so he doesn't have much trade value right now. None of their hitters really do as well. Um, and like, who else is out there that, I mean, Luis Castillo, Right, Frankie Montas. Right, right. Yeah, so basically, if they throw Scooble out there, I mean, they're going to get some, they're going to get some offers because I mean, other than Montas and and uh, and Castillo, right? These are big name pitchers. Yeah, and Ken Rosenthal points that out in his article on the Athletic. That's like they're probably hoping that someone gets desperate, they lose the Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo uh, sweepstakes, and maybe someone offers a big package for Scooble. Right. Mm-hmm. But the Tigers did the same thing when Rick Porcello broke out, right? Years ago, Rick Porcello broke out and they off, like they said he was available in trades. They dangled him out, like when the waiver deadline pat or when the waiver trades were up, they dangled him out there on the waiver wire. Um, but not to actually make a move. And teams mm-hmm. are going to do this. They're going to say a guy is available, but he's not actually available. Right. right. It's the same thing. I'm like, you know, in my league, someone will say like, oh, I'm I'm willing to move, you know, Corbin Carroll for the right price. The problem is there's no right price, right? Like, it's sort of like if you're in a- They just want to see what you would offer. Right. Like, if you're mm-hmm. on a rebuilding team and you've got Shohei Otani, you're going to have this feeling like, oh, I should move Otani for whatever I, I can get. Number one, I don't know what a fair trade for Shohei Otani looks like. Mm-hmm. Number two, no one's going to offer it to you. No one. But he's available. Right. That's that's going to be like, I think you're going to see this a lot in this news cycle. They're going to say guys are available. It's going to be fun to talk about, but they're mm-hmm. not actually available. They're available theoretically. Right. But no one's at like, look at MLB trades. They Uh-oh. just don't well, offer that kind of stuff. Well, well I mean, talking about being uh, available theoretically, I mean, uh, Juan Soto, obviously the biggest name being dangled out there. Right. And, and that's said, hey, we need four or five top prospects in return for him. So uh, the trade deadline, by the way, we're recording this on Tuesday night, June 26th. So four or five top prospects, that's a tall order. Are they gonna, is somebody Is a team going to be able to put that kind of a, a, a trade package together in, in less than a week? There's maybe four or five teams that have that, mm-hmm. right? And, and quite frankly, Juan Soto is probably young, as young as the prospects you'd be giving. Up, yeah, yeah. Right? Like they kept talking about Juan Soto in the home run derby being a, you know, being the veteran. He's younger than Julio Rodriguez, mm-hmm. right? Like Juan Soto is a, a, you know, a really amazing case of a player coming up at an extreme. I mean, you know, he broke out when he was 19. That's wild. But mm-hmm. I think, again, he's available. But the number of teams with a farm system actually capable of trading for him are really, really small. And then you have to wonder, will they actually do it? Right? Like, yes, Juan Soto is almost certainly better than all of those prospects. In fact, there's a fairly decent chance that Juan Soto ends up being better than all of them combined if you use something like war, right? Like, that's a pretty good chance. But I still think teams will hesitate to do it because mm-hmm. then you also have to, you not only have to have the prospects, you have to be willing to say, yeah, and I'm also going to be able to sign him to a mega deal. Right. Right. Because Juan Soto is only worth it if you can make the deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And Juan Soto is going to want, 
what will be the second biggest contract in MLB after Shohei Otani gets his in what, two years or something? Like that's, again, it's in theory. It's in theory. And I know like, oh, they can't, they can't just let him go for nothing, but they could. They could absolutely keep him and let him walk, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's not going to be a free agent until 2025. I mean, it's not urgent right now, right? Yeah. This Plus, isn't a, this if they're trying to sell this team, having him on your roster and the potential for the new owners to be able to sign him and keep him long term, uh, that could be uh, enticing in, yeah. in a sale. It's just so, like, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying it probably won't happen because it's so difficult. I mean, even in even in fantasy leagues, those mega how often is Juan Soto actually being traded? Right, it's just really hard to do. Uh, you know, I'm in an auto new league and like I'm I'm trying to shop Kyle Schwarber, and it's a four by four and it's OBP, and both of the top two teams have a weakness in power. So Kyle Sch- and I'm in last, right? Well, mm. like ninth, right? Kyle Schwarber is the top of both their lists. That deal was fairly hard. Like it was kind of hard to put together because I've only got like, I want to shop Schwarber, but I've only got two buyers. And I was very lucky that I had two in an exact position where they might want Schwarber, but you need a lot of things to come together for, to trade for a guy like Juan Soto. Yes. You should be considering it, but you also, there's so many variables. It's just so hard. It's so fun to talk about and it's so hard to pull off. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there really haven't been too many trades yet. And like I said, we're recording this on Tuesday and a week from today is when the trade market, uh, the trade deadline uh, takes place. And there's also like a little bit of a wrinkle, too. Right. Uh, Because of the uh, the MLBPA and MLB, they're renegotiating this international signing system. And that could be slowing down the trade market because teams looking for some resolution to that to see how uh, that's going to affect their bottom line and how they pursue international players in the future. Yeah, I mean, the international draft is a whole nother thing. And I every time I think about the trade deadline, I try to look at the year before, right? What happened? What kind of trades did we see the year before? And the more I go through it, there, there were a few big blockbuster trades. The Dodgers picked up Scherzer and Trey Turner, right? But after that, it, it's surprising. Like, yeah, like a guy like Chris Bryant was dealt, but he was a rental. Um, God. So I mean, I'm just like looking at them all and, and there's just not many big trades because MLB teams are just reluctant to do that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like the names that were moved were like Eddie Rosario, Pablo Sandoval, Freddie Galvis, Tony Watson, right? Like uh, a bunch of guys you've never heard of, right? Miles Straw, Jordan Luplo. Those are the guys that get traded. And when mm-hmm. we talk about the trade deadline, those are the guys that you should really be thinking about. Like it's deeper leagues that you really see the impact of the trade deadline where a player like a uh, maybe a, you know, Michael Chavez, right? He went from the Red Sox to the Pirates and it didn't mean much, but like that type of player going from the Red Sox to the Pirates, he might get playing time now, right? Yeah. What we might start seeing is guys who are flawed, get more playing time and Mm -hmm. become useful for fantasy purposes because their team opened up some roster space. Right. Right. But like, there's not a fantasy impact for a guy like Juan Soto. Juan Soto is one. If Juan Soto is this valuable for the Nats who are, Mm. you know, just not good offensively, he's at least this good for everybody. Right. right? Like how much did even like Trey Turner, he was moved last year. How much did his value really change? Right. 
I think not, the only not major, at all. <laughs> if anything, major, you know, he was even more uh, attractive. Yeah, the only the only major uh, trade, like the only real major like value thing I can think of was when Starling Marte was with the A's. He stole like a bazillion bases, but we mm-hmm. didn't actually know that was going to happen. Right. Right. It wasn't people thinking like, oh, he's going to steal more bases now. Like he they just decided to send him every time he got on first base. Mm-hmm. So as much as I love talking trade deadline, like the other thing I have to tell people most of the time is it doesn't change much for fantasy unless someone gets an actual new role. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's relievers right there. I think that's the biggest change in role that you're going to see is once these relievers start going. Right. Like, I mean, I'll just throw a name out there. Uh, Kyle Finnegan right now, he's the closer for the Nationals. You know, he could be traded and the team that he goes to, he's not going to be the closer on that team. He's at, happens to be very good against lefty uh, batters. So he'll probably be just at best. He might be part of a committee or he just might be a specialist to get out a tough lefty hitter. Yeah. I mean, a couple of names that come to mind. They're guys like Gregory Soto, right? We talked about him a little earlier. Gregory Soto left, you know, he's a left-handed closer. He's a two-time all-star because the Tigers have to send somebody and he's been pretty good as a closer, but if he goes somewhere, it's not to close, mm-hmm. right? It's to be a lefty reliever, maybe a setup man, right? David mm-hmm. Bednar for the Pirates. He's been an excellent closer for them. Yeah. Uh, and he's probably maybe shares a job, but like a lot of the top teams have closers. They don't need one. They're mm-hmm. trading for bullpen depth and they'll go get it from closers on bad teams because yeah, they always do. Yeah. That's just what teams do. Mm-hmm. So what actually happens is uh, one, the main guys, if you're statching someone for trade deadline, it's guys like maybe a Michael Fulmer, right? Because mm-hmm. if Soto goes and he doesn't, he's a closer, mm-hmm. right? Andrew Chafin, if Fulmer and Soto go, Chafin's the closer, right? An easier ones like Will Crow in Pittsburgh. Will Crow is the setup man behind David Bednar. Yep. If Bednar's gone, Crow is the closer, right? Yep. That matters, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in like a 10 or 12 team league, you can't really stash those guys. You can just have them on your watch list mm-hmm. so that when you get the notification on your phone, you can jump on it immediately. But yeah. there's not. Lou like- Trevino from the A's. He's starting to pitch a little better. He's back as their closer. If he's gone, Zach Jackson or even maybe an AJ Puck. Yeah, you know, you, so, you got to do this. You got to start looking at yeah. the uh, the hierarchy of, of these bullpens. But what usually happens at the trade deadline with closers is two things. Number one, new closers emerge that are generally setup guys, right? They were setup guys, now they're closers. And closers that are traded lose their job, right? They you te- you don't see a ton of closers traded to close. Mm-hmm. Like you'd think you'd see more of that, but it just so happened like. They're, they're usually just decent relievers on bad teams. That's why they're available, mm-hmm. right? Like if they were truly game-changing relievers, like no matter how bad the Guardians are, Emmanuel Class is probably not going anywhere because he looks like a lights-out closer. They're just going to hold him, right? Right. It's the, yeah, and David Bednar looks good, but other teams, like the team that gets him, it's going to be a contender. Most of them have closers. Right. Right. Bard from for the Rockies, he's another guy that could get traded very easily. He's yeah. probably not going to be a closer. I mean, yeah, yeah. And a lot of these guys, of course, uh, like you, you mentioned, a Fulmer, who's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. I'm pretty sure that Bard is signed only through the end of this year. I'd, I'd kind of be a little surprised unless, you know, sometimes like like Soto, you mentioned uh, Gregory Soto, your, your closer for the Tigers. I think he signed for the next couple of years so they might want to hold on to him or just the fact that he's under team control 
might make him a little bit more attractive to other teams. Might make him more attractive, but why why pay for the premium when you can just get a tiny step down for a yeah. quarter of the price? Right. And right. For, like when you're like trading for player. a contender and you're looking for a reliever, you go for the Michael Fulmers, not the Greg Sotos. Oh, yeah. Right. Get the cheapest thing you can get because the Tigers know there's just not very much you can get for a rental for a non-closing reliever. Mm-hmm. It's just like regular fantasy, right? If you're in a saves and holds league, how much are your, how valuable are non-elite relievers? Like they're good for your team, but they're ultimately replaceable, right? Why will someone tr- why would someone trade with you when they could just go to the wire and get something that's only maybe 80% is good for 20% of the cost? Right. Just doesn't make sense. Like that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I checked out uh, Yahoo has this uh, trade market. So I punched in Juan Soto's name just because we were talking about him before and you were asking, I don't even know what you would get for him in, in, uh, in fantasy. So here's a couple. Okay. Um, Juan Soto for Brandon Woodruff and John Birdie, which I don't know if I'd do that. Uh, Uh, Good for the person getting Soto. Right. Right. Uh, This one's pretty even. And I could see if, if somebody needed pitching, you know, you it's pretty even Juan Soto for Max Scherzer. Uh, in a redraft, sure. It's just in a redraft, yeah. yeah not, in obviously, redraft, not kind of sure. Mm-hmm. In redraft, Soto is more tradable, right? <laughs> but like the MLB operates as a giant thirty-team dynasty league, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's where he's even harder to trade. He's so hard to trade in dynasty because you can't trade him without getting another. T- like no one, you know, I do those Reddit AMAs every Friday, and people put out there like I want to trade. You know, people put out these like trade ideas, and let me tell you, anytime you have an everybody says two things. Number one, oh, you have to get the best player in the deal. I don't necessarily believe in that, but like, I don't see how you trade Juan Soto without getting a top 10 dynasty asset back. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I just don't see how you make that move. Right. And uh, that's hard. That's a hard thing to cough up. Right? Because like every, nobody wants to give up their top 10 dynasty asset, even if for Juan Soto. It would have to be a Juan Soto for Corbin Burns, something like yeah. that. Right? Yeah. Corbin because- Burns plus. Yeah, because Soto's like six years younger. Now, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Alec Manoa, he's not. Is does he have enough of a track record yet? No, no, he doesn't. Right? It's Manoa plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, like almost every good player you think of to trade for Soto, it's like it's always okay. That plus, it's mm-hmm. Trout plus, right? It's it's Trey Turner plus. Who's doing that? Yeah, I mean it happens, but it's so difficult. Juan Soto for um, Jorge Ramirez, the third baseman for the Guardians. Oh, yeah. For Jose Ramirez, sure. Sure, right? But even then, Jose Ramirez he's, he's is younger, right? right? Yeah. He's 29. He's seven years older than Juan Soto. Sure, mm-hmm. he steals bases, but in Dynasty Leagues, that, like, if you're, I know you're only planning for five years, but in five years, Juan Soto, or, uh, Juan Soto is going to be in his, you know, 27, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about this from a like a fantasy perspective. Like, just imagine how hard it is. Well, we are a fantasy show. <laughs> I'm just like a giant. I feel like it's such a giant wet blanket on trade deadlines. Uh, and I'm actually going to be doing like a like a live stream with Michael Govier uh, uh, over on uh, another site. Crap, I wish I remembered what it was right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's going to be and it's going to be great. But like, I'm a huge wet blanket about it because it's just. It's so these moves are so hard to make. They're so much fun uh, in theory, but 
it just, it can't do anything. And it's actually going to be on fantasy MLB today with Joe Orico, um, which is, you know, it's cool. And I'm excited to be on it, but like a lot of it's going to be talking about, yeah, your favorite guys didn't get moved. Cherick Scooble didn't get moved. Right. Uh, Juan Soto maybe got moved, but probably not. Although if a team's going to do it, it is the nationals. I don't want to ignore the fact that just last season, they did trade Trey Turner and, and Matt Scherzer. Scherzer. Yeah. Right now, granted the Dodgers could be in the market for Soto, but how many pieces do they have left? They sold most of their farm for that. And that's what you have to get for, for, for Scherzer and Turner, right? Soto's more valuable than that mm-hmm. in, yeah. in a real baseball perspective, because he's dirt cheap, right? Like Scherzer has one of the biggest contracts in baseball, but Soto is dirt cheap under team control for, you know, a huge through the 24, through the 24 season. He'll be a free agent at 25. I can't even fathom what that looks like in real baseball. Well, we we, we might find out. I have a feeling that we probably won't because it's just going to be tough to. And like you said, there's only a few teams that have that kind of a, a, a minor league system that can do it. You know, um, but we'll see. Yeah. The so, real thing I'll be watching at the trade deadline is who the Rays acquire. I swear that that team knows how to beat everybody in trades. Mm-hmm. Like when they traded to my Tigers, Austin Meadows for Isak Paredes. I love Isak Paredes, but I was like, I think the Tigers are getting a good deal here. And it sure looks like they aren't right now. Mm. Now it's injury related right now, but Austin Meadows has an injury history. Like the rate when the Rays trade for players, I try to pay attention. Because it, it's for a good reason. They they seem to find a way. Or like if a pitcher goes to the Giants, that, that's a yeah, stock up. That opens for me. your eyes. Yes. Right. Because they they just find a way to make 30-year-old dudes better. Mm-hmm. They, they just have a way. Like that, that's another big takeaway from the trade deadline. Not about like, oh, what was the trade for or the big names? It's just like, oh, if that team does something, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Right? Like You'd think it'd be the Rockies, but actually I'm less curious about what they do because I just don't trust their organization. But again, the Giants picking up a pitcher, the Rays trading for someone you haven't heard of, that's on my radar immediately. Mm -hmm. That's going to probably be the biggest thing I watch for on trade deadline day besides the fun of big deals. Right. And if any other team could do what the Braves did last year as the trade deadline approached, they they won themselves a World Series. (laughs) (laughs) They won themselves a World Series, man. They just got a new outfield. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So in real life now, um, who's going to take the fall for uh, this Tigers team? Uh, I mean, their best hitter is um, a 90-year-old future Hall of Famer. Famer, uh, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, it's not going to be AJ Hinch, right? Obviously, maybe his hitting coach. Oh man, it's so it's so hard to say there. Like, I mean, the fans are have turned on Al Avila for the most yeah. part because yeah, he's been there for a while too, right? Yeah, and it just it's it's hard not to think that this team needs to rebuild again uh, because of how many holes there are. I think but, what they really need. It was so is, close last year. I, this year, I really did expect them to be uh, basically. The, the Orioles, like a, a team that hovers around 500. Yeah, and I know? think it's not that they couldn't get there next year. It's just the number of things that have to go right. And like this year, you find out what it looks like when two-thirds of the things don't go right. Mm-hmm. And it's a bad team. And so, I mean, that's that's one of the hardest things is we, we see sometimes teams that just sort of, it feels like they just drop off. It's because in baseball, it only takes a, for a 
for a lot of teams, depth is a problem. And when you have two or three, two or three things go wrong, everything's off. Mm-hmm. It just ruins everything. Just not a lot of teams are the Dodgers or the Yankees that can replace, you know, for any other team, Joey Gallo being trash would matter. And for the Yankees, it doesn't. Right? It is, I'll tell you, they, as a Yankee fan, watching Gallo this year has been amazing because obviously, you know, the, the Yankees have the best record in baseball and they've been able to absorb what he's done, which is nothing, bat 160 for the season. But it's also just from a, a human standpoint, Scott, the Yankee fans want Gallo to succeed. It's it's kind of nice in a way. You know, when you when you listen to WFAM, which is the big uh, sports talk station here, everybody hates him. Everybody wants the Yankees to get rid of him. But when you watch the game, uh, the fans actually kind of are pulling for him, and you feel that. So th- that's that's kind of cool. But again, if the Yankees were languishing, were like you know, uh, in third place or whatnot. They'd be killing this guy. <laughs> it's easy to root for guys when you're winning, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and it's really interesting. Like Joey Gallo, I bring up Joey Gallo because, uh, as as you know, probably better than anyone, John, Giancarlo Stanton is out now, right? Yes, Achilles uh, tendonitis, two to three weeks. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, the first thing out of the top of my head was, does that mean Joey Gallo plays? And it <laughs> doesn't. They put Matt Carpenter in right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he has no business being in right field, but I guess neither does Joe. He's been Allen. playing. He's been playing some right field. Yeah, uh, and it hasn't been a perfect right field, but the guy has been amazing with his bat. Uh, so they they just want to find a way to get him uh, his line his uh, bat in the lineup, and it, that it's just what he's done. You know, just watch it because you know I watch the Yankees every day. You know, fourteen home runs in thirty five games, thirty five. RBI in that span too. It reminds me of the second half of, I believe it was like 2018 where he just went off and was the best hitter in baseball for a whole half. I don't think he'll be the best hitter in baseball for a whole half, but Mm -hmm. two things stood out. Number one for like a 30 game stretch or something. He had the best WRC plus in the league by like 60 points. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Cause that's WRC plus is trying to calculate like how much better are you or worse than you on are you are than the average player by percent, right? Mm-hmm. So a 110 WRC plus means you're 10% better than the average player. Mm-hmm. He had a 286. So that's 200. That's like 186% better than the average player. And it was 60% better than like 60 percentage points better than any other player. Right? Right. It's just like insane. The thing with Matt Carpenter, what I actually like right now for fantasy is that the biggest question was, how does he keep playing? And I thought, the way he keeps playing is take over the job for uh, Josh Donaldson and become mm. the full-time DH and let Josh Donaldson pinch hit occasionally against left or, uh, you know, come in occasionally against lefties. Right. Mm-hmm. But now with, with John Carl Stanton going down, seeing that they'll put Matt Carpenter in right field, if anything, what it's done is telling me that like, as long as he's hitting, okay, the yeah. Yankees are going to put him in the lineup, especially because, when they're playing at home. Yeah. You know, with and, that lefty power bat. Yeah. And the more I look at their bench, their bench ain't that deep. Right, mm-hmm. like, because if it's not him, it's either Marwin Gonzalez, Tim LoCastro, right? Or Joey they just Gallo. called up today. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, why? Why? Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why would you start that? Like, Tim LoCastro is is fine defensively, and he's mm-hmm. really fast. He's fast, yes. Yeah, which, which Matt Carpenter, like Matt Carpenter, is neither of those things. He's not mm-hmm. really fine defensively, and mm-hmm. he's not fast. Right, but like that, you're not going to play Tim LoCastro very often, right? And Joey Gallo, like we already talked about that, right? He's mm-hmm. really hard to put in the lineup. So 
Here he might are. be going back to the Rangers. The uh, Rangers uh, showed some interest in, in trading back for him, which which be, would be amazing that there's even just one team that's willing to uh, trade back for him. But um, but Matt, here's a funny aside on Matt Carpenter. So so you know they they showed this uh, in the pregame, uh, one of the Yankee games over the weekend. Matt Carpenter does something that's called grounding, and supposedly he, he thinks that it's helped him. He walks the outfield grass in his bare feet for a half hour before a game. There's this uh, there's this little bar right by me. It's called Long Lake Tavern, and uh, it's like family run, and the daughter's one of the bartenders, and, and she's great. Her name's Annalise, and um, she was telling me about grounding. Uh, she told, she was talking to me. She was like, Oh yeah, that's what I was doing today. I was like out in the yard with my feet in the grass and I felt great. Cool. I never heard of grounding again until, until Matt now freaking carpenter, <laughs> like the most polar opposite of this, like little 21 year old hippie kid, uh-huh. like, and Matt Carpenter have this one thing in common. And like, mm-hmm. I don't care what it is that Matt Carpenter's doing. As long as it's not cheating, like just keep doing it, buddy, because yeah. you're, you know, you're a bazillion years old and you're making it work. And then yeah. fa- and for fantasy purposes, I'm, I have actually been checking in on Matt Carpenter and league because <laughs> I think a lot of people are ready to jump off the horse. Right. right? I actually like- added him in my TGFBI league. It's a 15 teamer and I have him uh, as a, a corner infielder, yeah. you know, and when he gets cold, I'll drop him. <laughs> you know, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Right. And you can probably, you'd probably don't have to move much to acquire him because the person that has him, if they're willing to move him, they're probably thinking like, you know, I already got the juice, mm-hmm. right? I already got all the good stuff. He's probably going to fall off here. You can have him. At least I can get something for him. He's probably still on waiver wires in a lot of leagues too, yeah. especially 10 and 12 uh, teams, well, uh, right? Anyone batting in the top six for the Yankees should probably be rostered. Mm-hmm. Right. Aaron Hicks too. Aaron Hicks was hitting really well before the break. He still can. He's got mm-hmm. excellent plate discipline. Like these are guys that, that I really think like people kind of ignore it just because, you know, yeah, he's just hot. And those guys are hard for me to put on the list. Like Matt Carpenter's in the back end of the list. He's probably mm-hmm. not going to get like super high. Right. But like, he's going to be on there and Aaron Hicks are going to be on there because they are in extremely advantageous fantasy positions. Right. Like they hit, in the heart of a good order mm-hmm. on a team that can really beat up pitching and get a ton of at bats a game, right? Like that, that's the, those are the kind of players I want to get. And they're the type of player right now that I think are being, you know, they get overlooked a lot in leagues um, except for when they're in that, you know, best over the last 15 days, but because of the break, <laughs> the last 15 days thing got really screwed up, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a bunch of dead time. So there's, there's guys under the radar right now. And I think you can take advantage of it. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk rest of season strategy with you. And uh, also want to hit the uh, hitter list because you, you mentioned it briefly. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at PitcherList.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. We're right back on Hacks and Jacks Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu. And uh, what before. I told you we were going to talk a little hitter list, but I uh, wanted to just briefly mention and get your take on uh, some news that uh, I saw last week. And I believe he, the first person who I, I saw it from was from a fellow pitcher list writer, uh, Carlos Mercado. He mentioned that uh, baseball starting to uh, track bat speeds. So I, I looked it up a little bit. Uh, they're uh, tracking Bat speed at Minute Maid Park and Dodger Stadium. They uh, added an additional four high-frame rate cameras uh, capable of capturing video at 300 frames per second. I don't know if you remember this, but probably six months ago, I, I asked you about, like, is are there any stats where we could measure bat speed? So, I mean, you know, obviously it's in the infant stages, Scott, but this, this could be huge, no? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is, MLB teams are already doing this. They've been doing it, mm-hmm. right? They they've been clocking things like bat speed. Uh, another huge one. But they're is, not sharing um, it with the general public, right? This right. is going through Statcast, hopefully. Right. That I mean, that's going to be the difference. Mm-hmm. And so that's what actually. Um, so a lot of Statcast data likes ex- exit velocities. Teams held on to it for a long time. Finally, MLB started tracking it, and making it public, right? And, and what you see is sort of this. Initially, it becomes the only thing we talk about. The launch, if you remember, the original launch angle revolution mm-hmm. and and things like that. I um, remember. <laughs> oh yeah. So so that's what happens. And when we when we start getting that bat that initial bat speed data, I think there's gonna be a, a huge push to to use it. And I think what I want to caution people is is not all of us know how to use it yet. Right. Like just look at the number of people, like probably 75% of my podcasting in the last, you know two months other than the first pitch has been in some form or fashion, helping people not use Statcast wrong. Right. And we've now had Statcast for a number of years and we're just now, I think as a fantasy analyst community, getting good at using it. Mm-hmm. Right. Where we're not just saying, Oh, look, his expected batting average is too low. It's going to get better. Yay. Right. Like we're just now, I think we're getting good at using it. That's how long it takes. I don't know how long it's going to be before we're good at using bat speed, but it ain't yeah. going to be immediate. And I think what we're going to see is a lot of, a lot of hype. Some of it's going to work. Some of it isn't. And we're not going to go, we're not going to really know why for a few years. So I would tell people to have that data, look at it. It's interesting, but make sure that person knows what they're talking about. I'm with you because for instance, if baseball or Statcast had been tracking, uh, let's say Miguel Cabrera's, bat speed from when he was you know uh, a rookie or his first few years and compared it to today or an albert Pujols, then we'd have some data that we could say well this is what happens as as players age and as they become veterans or maybe we could see when you know at what point did the offense start to to turn you know like what what bat speed what was the, the cause that made, you know, Albert Pujols almost, you know, 
a regular player, you know? So uh, I think you're right. It's going to take a while and it's going to take several years of data before we can actually use uh, bat speed data correctly. No. Well, yeah. And you know, so like there's another stat out there that I've heard is very telling, but I don't know how to use it. And it's, uh, it's spin. It's the spin of the ball off the bat. Apparently Mm. it helps you understand a lot about the quality of contact being made. Right. Which makes sense. You hit a round thing with a round thing. You're going to create spin and certain types of spin are better than others. Right. Um, But when I think about bat speed, right, like here's the thing about bat speed. Players don't swing the same level, like the same velocity or the same strength at every pitch. Good point. Yeah. But you just don't. So how do we like, I don't even know how I'll dissect that. Right. Like, because pitch recognition is way better than bat speed. Bat speed helps you make up for a misrecognized pitch in a lot of cases, right? So early in his career, I don't have the stats, but Javi Baez had great bat speed and hand-eye coordination. Basically what he could do when he was in his early 20s and mid-20s is say, yep, I I thought this was going to be a fastball, but I have so much hand-eye coordination and bat speed that I can pause for a second and still catch up, right? Or I thought it was a breaker. You ended up giving me the heat, but that's okay because I got great bat speed and great hand-eye coordination. I can send it, right? But like, all we're going to get is a number and that it's not going to give me any context. Right. It's sort of like if we were to say, oh, that's like it. Originally, we said that's a good fastball because it's high spin. Eh, not really. Right. Like high spin is cool. But what kind of spin? Like mm-hmm. the Colin Poche spin from over, you know, over in Tampa Bay. He's one of the closers they have. Uh, his spin is great, but it's backspin. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he throws this rising fastball. That's a very different spin from someone like a Dustin May who throws a hard sinker. Right. Right. Totally different. The movement is totally different, but it might be the same spin. So whenever we get new stats, this is the part that's hard to really think through. And it's okay. It looks like that should be better, but is it like, how do I get to it? Right. Like average exit velocity is a limited tool, right? Mm -hmm. Because it only tells you how hard they hit it. But we talked about earlier this year, the biggest thing about Juan Soto has been that he's changed his batted ball profile, right? Mm -hmm. He was hitting way too many grounders. And when he was hitting it in the air, he was hitting it way, way softer than he had been in previous years. Finally, you know, he's finally progressed to where he's hitting fewer ground balls, more fly balls, and he's hitting them harder, Mm -hmm. right? But like exit velocity means so little without launch angle, right? And launch angle means very little without exit velocity, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what context bat speed needs, right? Do I need to look at bat speed and whiff rates, bat speed and yeah, we don't know. Uh, yeah, in zone rate, like what? What am I using? So I love these new stats. I'm really excited to learn how to use them, and I recognize I'm not going to know how to use them right away. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see people fall into traps of high bat speed push them up my board. Yeah, right. Well, it's just it's not going to work that way. That's going to be a while anyway. Like I said, infant stages, only uh, experimenting in, in two parks, but I'm excited for it. You're excited for it. But yeah, once it's, we, we, we do have a lot to learn once it's implemented. And uh, I hope it's next season, but I don't know. Um, but uh, let's uh, talk rest of season strategy. Obviously, we're, we're past the, the all-star break. Uh, what a show uh, my man Julio Rodriguez put on. Um, and just a, a quick aside, you know, so he comes back from, from the all-star game and then he has this wrist injury or whatnot. He's actually t- tonight is Tuesday, the 26th. He's back in the lineup, but, uh, so, so he, he's, you know, a little banged up. Then you got, 
uh, Giancarlo Stanton, who uh, we mentioned is on the IL now. Um, do you want to see your fantasy studs just skip the all-star game? <laughs> uh, if they're hurt, yeah. No, but um, if they're not, <laughs> I mean, like, not, yeah. so, uh, you know, on one hand, poor Julio Rodriguez, he, I think he wins that thing by a mile. If he doesn't have to go first every round, mm-hmm. right. Uh, he had to use a lot of juice to get to the end. Yep. Um, but here's what I'll say. And I said this in the first pitch podcast, which you all should be listening to. We've got, you know, four of us, me, Daniel Park, Kevin Hastings and uh, Chad Young. We, it comes out every day. It's a great way to just hear who got hurt the day before, uh, hear who did well or didn't do well the day before, get a quick idea of weather and what's going on in the day ahead. Uh, You know, it tends to be a 10 to 16 minute podcast every day. So check that out. But one thing I talked about on the first game back from the all-star break, because there was no uh, yesterday's action to cover since, you know, we hadn't played, we hadn't seen uh, meaningful games for almost a week was this. And it's, there's always narratives about the all-star game and the home run derby. And the only ones I pay attention to are the ones that the players say. If, if Julio Rodriguez comes out and says the home run derby messed with me, then I believe the home run derby messed with him. Anyone else who slumps coming out of the home run derby, I don't believe it's because of the home run derby, right? Like it's it just not, um, you know, otherwise Pete Alonzo would have more problems. Right, because mm. he he trains night and day for that thing. Right, right. right? He tra- so, he trains in, in between, uh, uh, you know, appearances. You know, he's yeah. he's he's lifting weights. I lift things up and put them down so, while he's waiting to hit, hit home runs. The, the home the home run derby is uh, batting practice for a show. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just batting practice. And yeah, they're they're going out a little extra. Well, yeah, it's batting never- practice plus because. You know, you're trying to hit a home run with every swing. So, I mean, you could hurt yourself. Yeah, you, know? you could. Um, but at the same time, like the, these guys, like they, they swing hard every game. Mm-hmm. Right. They I, I'm not I'm not so concerned about it. The only self selfishly, I don't really care to see pitchers play mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, one, I don't usually watch the all star game itself, uh, except for when it's like Shohei Otani. But even then, I'm kind of like, oh, show, hey, please don't hurt yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because all it's all it takes. It's the same concept as like pitchers running the bases, where it's like, okay, no, like most of the time they're not going to hurt themselves, but one time they will, and you'll hate it because it was meaningless. It didn't have to happen, right? So I, I will say though, the All Star Game itself doesn't bug me because I know players aren't going full speed. Like they might, like you know, if they see a pitch they like, they might swing as hard as they can, but. You know, these guys, they're not going to kill themselves in an all-star game. Right. Okay. Um, so rest of season. Now, I'm, I'm also, you know, uh, going by, you know, s- some of the quotes that you had in your hitter list article, which comes out. Does it come out on Wednesdays, Thursdays? Yep. It'll come out on Wednesday. Uh, sometimes I'm late because I'm just late with a lot of things. You know more than anyone. I'm just late all the time. <laughs> but uh, but uh, with you know, with the hitter list, it comes out on Wednesdays, usually afternoon. Like usually I've got it up by five o'clock, if not mm-hmm. seven. But mm-hmm. yeah, Wednesday is the day it usually comes out. All right. So these guys aren't on the hitter list and then not going to be for a while. But I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about them because you you were talking about, I, I think it was you that, that you might have put a little blurb. If not, I f- forgive me. But Jared Kelenic is killing it uh, in AAA right now. I can't stop saying it. He's yeah. raking. Yeah, in AAA, he's actually uh, he's not on the hitter list, but he is on the taxi squad. Mm-hmm. So you oh, know, the, okay, this- that's that's what I probably saw. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've got 
I've got a taxi squad with the hitter list. Uh, it's actually, I think the most valuable part of the list, mm-hmm. right? Because like the first 50 ranks, like you don't really need me for those, but the taxi squad, those are the guys that are coming up next. Those are the guys like, I don't expect you to watch list every single one, but I try to leave a blurb for all of them to tell you either how well they're doing or what kind of tools they might have or how they might get a job. And those are the ones I think they're the ones that can make a difference for you coming up. You know, especially if you're in a league where either you're not going to trade or trading isn't possible. Right. right? Is it so, safe to say yeah. that that the readers should be stash? I mean, it's like a invitation to stash guys that are on the taxi squad. It, in leagues where stashing is a viable strategy, I'll tell okay. you that the standard ten or twelve team Yahoo or ESPN league, they're too shallow. Right, your benches are too short. You can stash maybe one or two players. Jared Kelnick would be on that list, or maybe you know it, it's guys that are you know top prospects and imminent call-ups, right? So like um, last year, it was Wander Franco, right, and maybe a handful of others. But even then, you know there were people stashing Esteri Ruiz, mm-hmm. right, because he was just killing it, and you know some some good it did you, right? right. Nomar Mazzara keeps getting playing time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like someone else, you know, he's not getting time in the outfield. So stashing is hard. But if I was going to stash someone, Jared Kellenick at the top of that list, uh, I mean, in Dynasty, he hasn't been cut anywhere. But sure. in some, you know, shallow keeper leagues, I'm still stashing. I'd still consider stashing him because he's hitting really well. He's, you know, it's not like he was some inferior, like some super inferior prospect to uh, Julio Rodriguez, right? They were like 1A and 1B at the top of the prospect right, list right. for the Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's got real talent. I mean, I also, uh, you know, call me a homer. I'm, st- I've still got faith in Spencer Torkelson. There's a reason mm-hmm. he stayed on the taxi squad. And it's simply because I, you know, his plate discipline stayed strong in the majors. It's not like he just started striking out all the time. He just had a hard time making good contact. He it's maybe it's some- too early to give up on guys like Torkelson yeah. and, uh, now, you know, yeah. Now in a redraft ESPN or Yahoo league, you got to cut him. He's got to go. Yes. Right. You can't do that. But like, you know, people are going to want to give up on guys. There's a lot of people who have no idea what Jared Kellenick's doing right now. All they think, even, even this, right. So they'll look at his minor, his minor league stats and they'll say, oh, he's got a 25% strikeout rate though. He needs to fix that. They're not going to do the research, but don't worry. I did it for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Look at the game logs. It's hard. You can't really, it's hard to get rolling charts for minor leaguers. Otherwise that's what we'd be talking about because I always do the rolling charts, but you can't do that for minor leaguers right now. But what you can do is just look at like, so I just looked, okay, since June 1st, what was his strikeout rate? Better than 25%, right? It was like in the low twenties. Then I mm-hmm. went, all right. So from July 1st, how's his plate discipline? He's got an almost 12% walk rate and an 18% strikeout rate. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I want to see. And yeah, the full season line doesn't look as good in AAA, but I don't care about the full season line in AAA. I care about what's happening right now in AAA because I know he's been trying to fix things and adjust. So how's that been going? It's going really, really well, right? Jared Kelenic should be a guy on your watch list in every format right now. Because mm-hmm. if he gets the, if someone, you know, unfor- yeah, I'd hate to see someone get hurt, but if, if a job opens up in the Seattle Mariners outfield, it's Jared Kelenic's job and he could do really, really well with it. Right. Unfortunately, uh, that that outfield is about to get a little bit even more crowded. Um, But maybe uh, I'm referring to Mitch Hanniger, but maybe they could DH him instead, you know, and because Carlos Santana has been DHing now. 
But uh, Hanniger, who has been out for a while now with a grade two hang- high ankle sprain, uh, has been playing some minor league games as part of his rehab. And they're thinking that, you know, but by early August, and August is just a few days away, you know, he should be back. This is a guy that's going to, you know, hit home runs at a 30 homer pace. He's going to probably hit 250 plus for you. So if you're, you know, if you're struggling in the in the home run category, Hanniger could really make a big deal, big, big difference for you. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And actually, I, I, you know, I think if a job opens up, it's, uh, well, I'd hate for it to be um, Kyle Lewis, who's actually DHing a lot. Mm-hmm. which I'd love to recommend him harder because I like Kyle Lewis in a lot of ways, but because of the leg injuries he's having, they're not letting him run. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he's DHing. So while the, I mean, the plate discipline has been surprisingly good because Kyle Lewis had a big plate discipline problem. And right now it's only 26 plate appearances and like half of them are back in May, but he's got an 11 and percent walk rate and 7.7% strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, extremely small sample, but He's done really well with it. He's only had three games up in the major so far right now. Uh, he played in right for a game and then he DH'd. But, you know, there that could be a space. Or what if they just kind of make Jesse Winker be a platoon guy or the bench outfielder? He continues to really disappoint, right? Yeah, so yeah. in 49 plate appearances in July, Jesse Winker's hitting 191 with a 56 WRC+. plus. That mm-hmm. means he's been half about half as good as the normal ma- as an average major league bat. Yeah. Right. It's not good. Uh, that that two twenty four OBP doesn't play anywhere. Right. Um, and he has he has two extra base hits. He hit home runs in back to back games and a double header. And other than that, has just done absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find room for Jared Kelnick. But if but if room is made, mm-hmm. then that's a big deal, right? You sure. Know, so. Yeah. But I mean, that's the other thing when yep. you're looking at that, like the reason a lot of those guys are on the taxi squad is because not only do they need to be called up, but like that does, you know, there's blockers in their path, Yeah. right? The Seattle Mariners outfield is crowded. It's a good problem to have if you're a Seattle Mariners fan. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it's a rough one to have as a fantasy manager because you're trying to find a way, like you want Jared Kellenick in games, mm-hmm. right? He's more exciting. You know, why, you know, They've got Carlos Santana, 36 years old. He's been better this season uh, for whatever reason, I guess. But it's not as though he's like, he's been awesome. He's been good. Right. But, you know, I think he was basically a stopgap option once uh, Ty France went on the IL. I mean, I could see them DFAing him, tell you the truth, yeah. right? I mean, because the plate appearance is great. And like mm-hmm. the 352 OBP and 492 slug are great. But like, he is hitting 220, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> that's that's what Carlos Santana does. Mm-hmm. Now, if his OBP about- is better, though, right? Oh yeah, because he's always, no, no, but yeah, I mean, he's always been a really good OBP guy. And, and the thing that's funny is that you know I'm a little older than you, and and you know today, you know, if you get a ball player who's batting 220, but he has a 350 OBP. You know, it's it's accepted. You know, like uh, I think Stanton. I was surprised. I hadn't looked at his batting average in a while. I think it was in the two twenties. But you know, he hits those home runs and whatnot. It's overlooked. But uh, yeah, I mean, a, I just digress. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, Carlos Santana hasn't struck out for six straight games. Mm-hmm. That's cool, right? Yes. Uh, but he's only got two hits, and they're both home runs, mm-hmm. right? He's got a couple walks too. But yeah, he's he's uh, interesting. He's a player who is going to be really interesting to talk about next season, right? Because, I mean, that the biggest conversation you're going to start hearing 
you know, the trade deadline's going to matter. Late season's going to matter. The first thing people are going to start talking about now that the shift is gone because the shift ends after this season. Who are which, players? Which I don't think they should do that. Do you think they should get rid of the shift? Yo, I you mean, mean, get rid of strategy? No. Come on. <laughs> I mean, look, dude. I mean, yeah. Just bunt, you know. But, but but Dan Dickerson uh, on the Tigers radio network, he, he made a really interesting point, and it was uh, there's going to be certain types of hits that mm-hmm. used to happen all the time that you haven't seen for a long time, like the the ground ball single between the first and second baseman by a left-handed batter. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw a <laughs> ground ball single between the first and second baseman by a left-handed batter? You mm-hmm. haven't. Right. right. Because that's that's the shift. Mm-hmm. It's taken it away. Now, if Major League Baseball's goal was to increase run scoring, yes, that'll do it. Right. Uh, and there are going to be a lot of players who benefit. Their batting averages will shoot way up because they'll get those ground ball singles. Mm-hmm. Right. Carlos Santana is a huge one. Right. It's going to be left handed sluggers with high ground ball rates. That's just what it is. You know, Joey Gallo is a guy who could see who, who might be able to hit 220. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. shift right now right. he still he still strikes out a lot but mm-hmm. he, he could do that and i think the one caution i would say is number one don't overvalue that for dynasty purposes I, mm-hmm. i've seen people sort of saying like should i be should i be targeting players who are going to get a bump because of the shift and it's like well no because we also have to remember that like uh it doesn't mean teams can't move their infielders right it just means that they can't have an extra infielder on that side. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't mean they can't move an outfielder up, right? right? He can't be in the dirt, right. but he could be up closer, right? Mm-hmm. Being ready to play line drives and singles. So you can have that, that old school, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the old Ichiro throw him out from right to first, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, Frank Thomas, it's a single <laughs> in the outfield and you still throw him out at first. That mm-hmm. might, that might happen once in a while. So that'll be fun. But, uh, Rule changes are really hard for fantasy. I don't like change. In right. Rule changes in the minors mess with minor league stats all the time, and we almost never talk about it. Stolen mm-hmm. base numbers are really hard in the minors because things like the pitch clock and yes. rules like that, it makes it harder to steal or mm-hmm. it makes it easier to steal. And mm-hmm. it impacts things a lot. What What's actually very difficult is predicting that because, Yes, it's going to happen, but you can't expect teams and players to do the same things, right? If they know they can't shift, what are they going to do instead, right? If you can't shift against Carlos Santana, what if you just attack him away, right? Don't give him anything that he can hit, you know, that he can pull, right? Put everything away. See what happens, mm-hmm. right? Like those are the things that I want to see before I really say this player is going to hit 50 points better without the shift, right? Because just because you can't shift. Okay. These teams aren't stupid. They are right now thinking of ways to come up with strategies. The Rays will come up with something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we'll all have to figure out how to deal with it. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm really looking forward to the pitch clock, by the way. Uh, you know, I, you know, uh, three and four hour games. I love the game of baseball, but I, I think that if you could get the average length of a baseball game down to two and a half hours or so, you might get more people you know watching baseball that's yeah, just my get those opinion yankees red sox games below three hours and they'll be watchable tell me <laughs> <laughs> you know and i'm going to take another aside you know another uh rule change that might happen or change the game in the next few years is robot umps i don't know how you feel about them but 
uh, you know, I was watching a, a game and I forget the announcer who was talking about it, but he said that with robot umps, pitch framing, a catcher who will take a, 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 a pitch that's on the borderline, then move it over the plate as he's catching it, that, you know, that might not work anymore I, if you have a robot ump. You know, the so usually what people talk about are, you're, you know, every once in a while you can find an example where um, a ball just barely clips like the back corner or the front corner of the strike zone. Yeah. Where it looks like it probably would have been called a ball in real life, but because of the way they set up the dimensions of the strike zone, because it's a three, you know, again, strike zones are three dimensional. The square we see on TV is two dimensional, mm-hmm. right? So it's really hard because the ball only has to go over the plate at any point, right? Uh, it can go. It matters over- where, to me, it matters where it crosses the plate, not where it and where it lands in the catcher's mitt, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, one thing that you're going to see is I'm really curious about guys like Joey Votto, Juan Soto, Carlos Santana, these guys with amazing grasps of the strike zone mm-hmm. because robot umps create a consistent strike zone every single game. Right. Right. You don't have to worry about so-and-so preferring, like giving a strike zone that's a little more in than you like. Right. Or a little, you know, a little taller than you like. It's going to be mm-hmm. the same every time. And I think two things will happen. Number one, hitters could get really good at knowing where their strike zone is, mm-hmm. right? Um, teams are going to know exactly where it is and they're going to get, be able to give you looks all over it, right? The other thing that's going to happen is pitchers are going to know where it is every game too. And that's going to give them a real ability to, you know, you hate to see pitchers try too hard to like nip the corners. Mm-hmm. But man, when the strike zone is going to be the same every single game, You've got a robot ump. You don't have a regular ump that can kind of screw it up and, and make you play a little differently. It's the same every time. They could get real locked in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. I mean, personally, I don't know. I, I I could do without the robot ump, but but you know, watching and I'm sure you watch a lot of games like I do. Some of these umpires, their their strike zones are just all over the place. So you know. It might it's be the better worst job in baseball. Yeah. I, I can't imagine why anyone would ever want to be a major league umpire. Mm. You are nothing but scrutinized and no one ever praises good calls by umps. Right. I, I'd prefer, and they've talked about uh, the ability of a team to challenge maybe three challenges a game or something. Uh, on yeah, sure. Sh- yeah. I, I, I'm sure. like, I'm maybe on strike threes. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. On yeah. strike three. I don't want to right. hear about, I, I just don't want challenges on strike one. Just kill me. that would kill me but challenging on strike three sure i'm fine Mm -hmm, with it mm -hmm. but i'm also fine with robot umps to be honest with you i Mm -hmm. I think i do think it can be done well Mm -hmm. uh but any change to the game has you know it's the old law of physics like every action has an equal and opposite reaction getting rid of the shift doesn't just mean guys that were stifled by the shift are going to be automatically a bunch better right Mm -hmm. because Pitchers are going to react to that. Defenses are going to react to that. They're going to say, okay, if I can't shift, what else can I do? What can I do that's within the rules of the game? Am I going to change? Am I going to like, am I going to do switches where I put my shortstop over there because they're a better fielder and more rangy? Am I going to, uh, am I going to see again that pitching outside? Am I going to see, you know, what, what are teams going to do to limit that? It's the same with robot umps. How are, you know, how are batters and pitchers going to adjust to, these strike zones, or mm-hmm. if there's challenges, what, what are we going to see? Right. Are we going to see, um, you know, like hitters take more called third strikes, 
hmm. knowing that like, well, maybe they missed the call. Right. Yeah. It, it's not unlike the old, you know, in football, <laughs> you'll see like if sometimes you'll say, hey, huck it, you know, huck it, see what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. You might be able to get a challenge in here something like right, that. Right. Let's and, go for the pass interference. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Interesting stuff. So uh, the game is evolving. I don't like change. As it should. Um, hey, so um, DeGrom, uh, one more rehab start, and he uh, should be back in the Mets rotation. So uh, I did a, a quick show uh, the the last, uh, I, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned that maybe this might be a good time if you uh, have weathered the storm, if you still rostered DeGrom and have weathered the storm of having him on the IL for basically the season and have don't, don't really need him. You, you're doing fine in, in, in the pitching categories. You think this would be a good time to put him on the block, you know, cause God forbid this guy comes back and then gets hurt again. And then is out for, you know, another three or four weeks, you know, his, his fantasy value might never be higher. Yeah. Unless he's healthy. <laughs> right right no right. there's always that chance no no right. doubt it's, it's, but you know he even had that little gamble. hiccup about a week ago too you yeah. know so it's a two-way gamble and i mean the the pain of chris sale is going to be fresh on people's minds and to a lesser extent steven strasberg both of yeah. them guys you held on to they came up and they barely stayed mm-hmm. right so um, if we barely got I, a chance to know you yeah yeah so <laughs> I, I i like well, this strategy if like Trading Degrom now is not about getting the most value. It's about risk mitigation, mm-hmm. right? If you've already got more risk on your roster than if if Degrom adds more risk to your roster than you're really hoping for, right? Maybe you've got uh, other hitters that are injury prone. You've got a Julio Rodriguez, and you already realize, ooh, that saw the wrist thing. You know, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, but, he's playing tonight, so I yeah, think he yeah. should be okay. Hopefully, he's like, in the but like, there's mm-hmm. you know, teams are you you have to assess one your risk appetite. And two, how much risk you have now, because mm-hmm. if you're, if you're, for example, sitting in first and you've got to Grom, um, in many cases you can keep the risk, right? Because he might dominate and just ice you in as the number one team. Um, alternatively, if you're in, you know, if you've got a tenuous grasp on first place and have a long way to fall, you might say, I don't know if I can handle this risk, right? What if I want to mitigate that risk? pick up some safer assets that maybe don't have the upside, but mm-hmm. maybe I don't need the upside. Maybe I need the safety, right? right? That's the analysis you're trying to do. And also you're looking at your standings. Um, points leagues are different, but in roto or category leagues, you're saying, how am I doing in those? If I'm, if I'm dominating the pitching categories without Degrom, um, obviously I have pitching depth trade. That means I can either trade one of my healthy guys because I know DeGrom's going to step in and I'm willing to take that risk mm-hmm. or I trade DeGrom because I'm happy with my healthy guys and I'm not worried about the risk. Right? So right. if Tarek Skubal has been an, in, a, an important part of your rotation, he's a risky guy because he come his command does fade in and out. Right. Mm-hmm. He's been up and then down. He's back up right now. But like that command does come and go because he's a young pitcher and that's normal. Right. But it creates risk. So if, he and Scooble were going to be your top two arms, then maybe you start thinking about mitigating that risk, right? You say, okay, DeGrom could help me a lot, but it's a ton of risk. And trying to go the whole season with Scooble as my best pitcher, it's worked so far, but it probably, it might not work the rest of the way. So maybe I trade DeGrom for a safer pitcher and, you know, 
maybe add some risk with a bat or something, mm. right? Those are the kinds of thoughts. You don't just say like, what I don't like seeing is his value could never be higher. Should I sell now? Mm. Uh, no, because it could be higher, <laughs> right? Like, but mitigating what, risk and, and mitigating risk and, and what you just said, they go hand in hand because, you know, th- the risk is, is that this guy comes back, makes two starts, and then he's back on the IL and maybe this time for good. So what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, literally his, his fantasy value might never be higher this season, that, you know? Yeah. It, and like, it's true. And so when you're going to trade DeGrom, um, just remember that what you're doing is you're not, you shouldn't try to think of it as cashing out, right? Because um, th- that that's not a good way to look at it. You have to think about it as, do I need to mitigate this risk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so yeah. If, uh, if, if you're in investments in stocks, yeah. you think like, wow, it just made a huge rally. Does that mean I should sell now? Well, maybe right? Unless you can stomach the risk, mm-hmm. right? My retirement accounts are often more like some of them are staying more aggressive right now. And I'm buying more shares because I got a bunch of time before I retire, unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless I become rich overnight, I'm, it's going to be a long time. That means I can stomach the risk right now because mm-hmm. over time I'll mitigate it, right? Versus, you know, in a redraft league with DeGrom, you don't got a lot of time, right? You need to make right. a risk call real soon. And that's what you need to be doing look at it as a risk decision, not a necessarily just a value decision. Right. Right. All right. And, and uh, of course you always like it when you get questions from fantasy players about, you know, buying high, selling low and, and, and they're all in a panic, right? That that nothing better for you. Right. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And you know, I, I, you know, I, I rant about this all the time, but (laughs) people are not good at buying high and selling low. Right. They're just, they're just not, uh, most people are inclined to, uh, buy, they're inclined to (laughs) buy high and sell low. I think I I screwed you up a little bit there. (laughs) That's what they do. This is what people do is they buy high and they sell low. Right. right? When they should be buying low and selling high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People are dumping all of their Bitcoin now that they've lost all their money. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. I mean, yes, sometimes you have to make that risk mitigation because you're retiring soon and you can't afford to have these assets continue to drop because you'll just cash out now. But for mm-hmm. most people that are investing in Bitcoin, they're maybe my age and they're like 20s, 30s. Like you're supposed to hold because <laughs> because like you've already lost the money. Mm-hmm. It's gone, right? Like just, you know, let it, the only way you get your money back is by letting it ride. Right. And you should know ahead of time that, look, this is money that I'm investing that I could afford to lose. Right. No? (laughs) And in addition, it's you need to be deciding if you're willing to make a long-term or short-term gamble. Sure. Right? And that's what you're doing with DeGrom. It's Mm -hmm. the same concept. It's like, look, uh, am I willing to take the risk because I want him, I need him the rest of the season? Or you know what? Like you mentioned, I don't need him the rest of the season. I can cash out now, right? Right. Take my winnings and turn them into something else, mm-hmm. right? Something that's more stable, so that I can coast. Right. And if you're in that position, you should totally do that. And if but, you're in the like, if you're in the middle I mean, of the pack, look, he's got one more rehab start, right? Let's say he goes six innings, strikes out ten, doesn't give up a run in this last rehab outing. All of a sudden, you might be able to trade him for as if you know he's a. a uh, an ace again. What if he gets to come back and face like 
a, a nationals team without Juan Soto or something, mm-hmm. right? You get to see him in the majors go seven innings with 14 strikeouts. Yeah, yeah, that's right? a, a, uh, very possible. Very possible, mm-hmm. right? So it and the other way, you know, we're talking about we're talking about selling DeGrom, but if you're in the middle of the pack and you need that pitching boost, mm-hmm. this is like because people are going to feel as though they can sell high on DeGrom, you can you have a buying opportunity for a player who is not usually available, mm. right? People aren't like we talked about with Juan Soto. We talk about with Jacob Degrom when he's healthy. People are not trading him away. Right. So if you're in the middle of the pack, you need that pitching boost. This is the time to potentially get him because someone's going to say, "Yeah, I'll sell high now," and you'll say, "You think you're selling high, but I bet I'm buying lower than I could buy." Mm-hmm. Right? I still think it's a good price, so I'm going in. Like those are all risk assessments based on your league, but that's how you should look at it. Yeah, I'm trying to. I want to see if I could pull up the Grom real quick before oh, his we rehab go. Starts where he's just no, no, not his rehab. So see, see what you know who he's being traded for right now. Um, according to Yahoo. Um, so let's see. Degrom and Teoscar Hernandez for Liam Hendricks and Rowdy Telez. I hate De- that. Uh, I want Degrom every time. How about this? This one is very interesting. Uh, Degrom straight up for Vlad Guerrero. Ooh, that's interesting. God, that's see, that's <laughs> so so that's trading risk, mm-hmm. right? You're trading like okay, my guy looks like he's going to be the best, but you know that he might get hurt, and your mm-hmm. guy is probably as low as he's been, but I bet he can be better, mm-hmm. right? That's a great trade yeah. if you need it hitting because it's trading out. Like I I want risk, but I don't want it in pitching. I want it in hitting. Right. So, so take it, right? Especially with a guy who has 8.2 innings pitch mm-hmm. uh, and 15 strikeouts <laughs> in the minors. Those poor, those poor, oh God, the poor single A guys, his first rehab appearance, you know, 1.2 innings pitch. He hit one guy and struck out the other five. Oh, gee. DeGrom for Giolito and Kyle Wright. Hate it. Okay. Because you're taking on two risky pitchers. Why would you trade mm. one risky pitcher for two risky pitchers, mm. right? That was someone thinking, I need to sell for everything I can get. They weren't thinking about risk mitigation because all they did was pick up different, crappier risk. Right. DeGrom and Nestalli Marte for Nolan Arenado and Luis Robert. Ooh, Robert's hurt. Mm. Um, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like I, I think because I, I, there's, big, there's big pieces there. Some of it's risky. Some of it's not. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of fun to see what, what trades are going on. Right. And I want to call, you know, I'm sorry if you were the one who had that, that Kyle Wright and Lucas Giolito trade for DeGrom. Um, it wasn't and, me. Yeah. But <laughs> what I'm saying is like the person that had DeGrom, what, what did they actually get? Like, what was the purpose? What, like, oh, maybe they needed to, but DeGrom is better than both of them combined when he's on. Right. Mm-hmm. He just is, especially with mm-hmm. how Giolito's been up and down. Kyle Wright's been up and down. Why would you trade two up and down guys who don't have nearly the upside of DeGrom for DeGrom? Right, right, right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just trading to trade. And mm-hmm. that, that'll that kill you. You, you, make, you make a smart, a DeGrom for Vlad Guerrero Jr., that's smart, right? It might not work out, but there's purpose to it, right? Someone mm-hmm. was clearly trying to upgrade their hitting. They were willing to take on hitting risk, and they were willing to trade pitching risk to do it. Elite pitching risk. Do you consider is is Vlad a risk in in hitting? I mean, he hasn't. He has not performed to that level so far. Yeah, I think he will. But what if he doesn't? Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, he did just, you know, he, he's hitting better lately, right? Mm-hmm. He's on uh what? Six game hitting streak, four multi-hit games in that time, but no home runs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not in that stretch. He's got uh, what? One, two in July. That's a little light, right? Yeah. That's yeah. not where you want him to be. So there, there is some risk there. You're the risk that you're not getting the player that Degrom would theoretically be worth, right? But you're also you are getting a good floor. Like he's still going to probably end the season as like a 35 home run hitter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like and you know Degrom, if healthy, and there's nothing right now to suggest that he isn't. Uh, is also going to probably be the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy because that's just what he is. But that's so, why. That so what are we thinking? Sense. Maybe you're going to get maybe ten to twelve starts out of him, right? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But elite, yeah, like elite. You know, and especially in like a, yeah. especially in like a weekly head-to-head league, that's mm-hmm. a that that matters a lot because mm-hmm. those matchups you can get your wins, right? You can get your category wins in those matchups when DeGrom is active, a two start week from DeGrom is like the most gold you can get in like a, in a categories league, mm-hmm. right? A weekly categories league. You can got a two start DeGrom. Like the other, the other side basically has to start packing it in on the pitching side and hope they can just win hitting. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be really hard. Yeah. Um, just looking at, you know, steamer steamer has DeGrom for nine starts, 54 innings pitched, 12.37 K per nine at a 2.48 ERA. And they that 2.48 had... ERA would be his worst ERA since 2017. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> you know, that's just rest of season though. And they had uh, Vlad uh, about two, about 290 batting average and 15 home runs. So, but well, it's, it's Vlad interesting. It's fun. To, it's fun to, fun to speculate. Uh, I, I think so. But uh, all right, so great show there, Scott. Good talking to you again. And uh, that'll slam the lid on things for today. Uh, don't forget to follow me at Joe Galena. Follow my buddy Scott at If the Chew Fits. And, and check out, you're going to be uh, doing a, a broadcast, you said? Yeah, so I'll be on a live stream uh, with Michael Govier, uh with uh, Joe Arrico. Uh, for fantasy MLB today. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be on the trade deadline. I think I'll be on from five to six. Mm-hmm. So like right after the trade deadline's over, uh, yeah. I'll be on there analyzing trades. So yeah, check it out. And of course I've got the hitter list coming out tomorrow. So keep your eye out for that. If you have, if you have trade questions, uh, you can always put them on the hitter list or every Friday, we got the AMA over on Reddit and uh, the fantasy baseball subreddit. Um, and we answer, I mean, we answer hundreds of questions mm-hmm. uh, full, full free. Right, you don't got to pay us one red cent. We will answer your questions. You will get pitcher list experts to answer your questions one on one. We will, you know, if you put in your league specs, we will talk to you about your league. We'll do those things. So come on and check it out. It's totally free. Uh, it's just a way for you to get to know the writers that we have. Not just me. I, I lead the AMA, but we got other folks that jump in there too. Uh, Schwebzy's been in there. We got a lot of folks. So come and check it out and, and have some fun. And hey, you can also answer other people's questions or give them feedback. It's yeah, fun. yeah. You, you know, I, I make the great joke community. A yeah, and I make this joke a lot. Our spouses are tired of hearing about our fantasy baseball teams. Our <laughs> many of our coworkers are tired of hearing about our fantasy baseball teams, but we aren't tired of hearing about your fantasy baseball team. That's our job, right? Mm. That's what we do. Right. I mean, it's not our job. It's my side job. But either way, it's what what I do. That's why I do this. I love it. And, and we and do so it do, freely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joe loves it. I love it. We love it. So, so come out there and ask those questions. That's, that's what we want. We, we just want to engage with you. We want to talk about baseball, 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, PitcherList is about building the best baseball site on the planet. Yeah. And one way we do that is just by talking close. to people about baseball. <laughs> We're just about there. Uh-huh. Just wait till we have our own rolling charts, baby. I'm never mm. going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So if you like what you're hearing today also, uh, please uh, go uh, wherever you uh, – uh, take uh, listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whatever, wherever you get them, um, and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. We'll see you next time. 